0: Good afternoon, sleeping beauty. Good morning, Nancy Roman. Somebody just woke up from a nap.
1: I woke up from a nap. I woke up from a nap, but I'm here and I'm ready
0: to party. And you're ready to party. Um, I thought I would announce right at the opening that we have a we have a job opening <laughs> and a love opening for uh, for a listener. We well, yeah, we do. Um Sarah needs to date someone that's really good at tech to, yeah. to help
1: us out. So I'm um, I'm gonna date a techie, and then he's gonna understand how to work all this equipment because he's a boy. That's right, and (laughs) and then he'll save our podcast. Yeah, because (laughs) so we we get so confused because we're girls. Because I don't.
0: If it's about that, I have. I have these weird ghosts in this studio. Some of them are actual physical ghosts, people that come in here record. But then I just open up and we record something and the settings have been changed. I have no idea how they got changed because no one's been in here and then we lose an entire episode. But
1: we're back, Sarah Heppelow.
0: Yeah, we're professionals. So here we are. You know Um, who I think did it? Who did it?
1: You know who I think did it? Who? Who do do you you think did it? I mean, who do you think
0: you're going to say it's one of the fifth it's column Michael guys. Michael Moynihan. No, he, nobody was here. Nobody had been here. It's That's not that Michael saying. Moynihan. Okay. He sneaks in here. He it doesn't sneaks matter. in here he doesn't, just when it, I'm not here, when I'm doesn't. out of town. Listen. Okay. Listen, I thought I would christen this episode. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we can make it a regular thing called Weird Things We Saw on Twitter Today. Okay. So today is Thursday, the, I don't know, it's either the 24th or the 25th of May and um you uh you tweeted something or retweeted something with the, um the retweet saying, "How's it hang? How's it hang in San Antonio?" because someone had posted something uh, that said I don't normally read the unsolicited marketing emails sent to me by love honey, but this one and it talked about which U.S cities and the percentage of residents there that masturbated during work and San Antonio clocked in at 67 percent. It's just it's
1: just it's just what? so many i don't see the thing about what? the thing is i don't think you could get the city of san antonio to agree on any one thing 60/7% of the time except apparently <laughs> get you know diddling themselves during work hours you
0: know okay you know how like nobody used to want to admit that they masturbated maybe it's become this thing like it's like cool to admit, and so then they're lying. They're not actually
1: it's, doing yeah, it. Yeah, I think work. you're right. Like, the numbers are pumped up, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I masturbated that. during work. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, hell, yeah.
0: I mean, we um, did um, have the masturbating judge in the John Ronson episode, Then, uh, and the, the way they knew it is because people in the courtroom heard this, like, <laughs> like a sucking sound because he has some sort of, like, sucking mechanism.
1: <laughs> I, I did... I feel like I I wanted to write an essay called peak masturbation when Jeffrey Toobin got busted oh, for man. his That's issue with the New Yorker.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know where yeah. he
1: was doing it and um cuz I just felt like it's the golden age of masturbation. I'm not even saying that's a good thing. I I think it's potentially not. You know, like we need to find our ways back to each other and out of... Out of our own hands. Out of our own pants. Like get our hands out of our own pants. But, you know, between between, um, the pandemic and between, I don't know, just like pornography everywhere and and I, I don't know what happened it just seemed like society broke down and everybody was like well I'm just going to masturbate during this Zoom meeting so
0: after you uh, you tweeted that I was like let me go see if I could find some stats on this so I found something from psychology today from 2021 and the bullet points that open the article are some surveys find that nearly forty percent of people report masturbating in the workplace. Potential benefits of workplace <laughs> masturbation <laughs> include potential, st-
1: potential benefits,
0: <laughs> stress reduction, Food enhancement, and increased concentration. We
1: Come smoke, on, and See, this is this is a perfect detail to use in the Golden um, Age of Masturbation article that I didn't <laughs> okay. write. You would open up with something like this because it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh come on! Okay.
0: All right, two more, two more bullet points. One, costs to workplace masturbation include termination and possible accusation of criminal sexual content. I don't it's know a about big that second gun. one, but, but this was the one that got me. Scientific research is lacking in understanding the dynamics mm. and attitudes surrounding masturbation at work. Yeah, I would say. I would say that would be a lack of understanding It's there. appalling. So, anyway.
1: It's appalling, the appalling lack of research on the scientific know, That's right. Sarah, get There's on n- it, been Sarah. no longitudinal study. <laughs> no, listen, this is a calling. Are you kidding me? This is like this is like a clarion call for me. Like I finally figured out what I wanted to devote my life you, to. Have you met your people, Sarah? Have you met yeah, your people? Listen. Yes, and I'm going to tell you where they are. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing, they're at work, they're, they're at work, and so there's an army of us. <laughs> Wait, how did I get involved? How did I get roped into the work masturbators? You say you wanted to be like think... golden, oh, yeah? I wanted to, because, I'm a, because I'm a critic of the culture, okay? Well, yeah, I mean, well, I-, I mean, what I was gonna point out look, I'm, I don't exactly have like nine to five hours, nine well, to f- I don't work nine to five, right? So it's like do I masturbate during work hours? Like all hours are work Whoa. hours. Do I masturbate? Yes. So I masturbate during work hours. It, well, this is what I I'm saying. Just not, you, I'm not putting that on my Tinder bio. <laughs> if you but
0: work at home, then I could understand that you would do this. But I gotta say, at the office, I, we—I mean—in the bathroom, well, your article
1: look- is about the office. That's wild, and 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 I'm not gonna comment. On that, I, I'm going to switch the topic okay. to the cities, the cities that like to oh. masturbate during work hours, because we mentioned San Antonio, which right, is, right. you know, one of the largest cities in Texas, uh, known for, you know, great Tex-Mex food, <laughs> um, the river walk, and, and, <laughs> and wanking it off during, <laughs> during the, you know, meetings, um, it's during the meeting, <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> oh so God. okay, okay. Can I say something about yes this? Uh, your your article was about masturbating at work. Yes, which is just a bold, bold move. Yeah. Um. But I'll bet you anything that has gone up too with like the advent of sexting and stuff. Like, oh my God, the young men teach me so many things, but you know, one of them like. Uh, I there's some of them have like a it's almost like sexting is like a, a game like Candy Crush Saga or something that they play on the side. You know, okay. like like they're like, oh, yeah, I got to like I, I matched with one of them and I was supposed to meet with them and we couldn't. And and then he was like, all right, well, just let me know if you'd like to sext during the day. And wow. I was like, wow. Wow. It's an opportunity that man has given me. that I'm gonna. I did not take him up on. Um But anyway, uh that's to say that I think there is more masturbating at the workplace, perhaps because they there get used to they be. get
0: all they get all riled up with the sexting, and then they got to They got to go have some. That's RRL where I was going with that. Time yeah. with themselves. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they basically like it's it's your prime in the pump, your prime in the pump, and then at like eleven nope. o'clock. You yeah. go and you're like, I'm gonna go talk to a man about a horse. I'll be back. Yeah. You know, you know. Don't go in there. And then, right. And then it's whatever. This is. I don't know. I don't know. I'm making up stories, but yes, they sound right. Neither. So, but this is about the 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 cities where residents masturbate during work hours, which is more vague. The number one city. The number one city. Do you remember it?
0: Uh, I have it on my phone, but no. What is it, Sarah?
1: San Diego. San Diego. Man, there's so many other things. It's so nice outside. Go outside. Yeah, San Diego is weird. Well, okay. And so San Diego is 75%.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Three of those cities are in California San Diego, Los Angeles, and San Jose. Yeah. And And yeah. Yeah. Well, that's weird. And then New York is fifth. I mean, San Jose, how big is San Jose? I guess it's not numbers of people well, it's just percentages. it's all the techies.
1: So. It's all the techies. I mean, oh, I'm. Yeah. They're gonna be. I mean, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on techies, especially because they're gonna be my new boyfriend. Um, yeah, exactly. I put Sarah, out that job opening. Say, say at you're, say you're totally
0: great with this. It's like awesome. Yeah. Great, great idea. Well, guys.
1: yeah. It's um, it's a new way to pass the time. We used to have smoke breaks. Now we have wank breaks. And, um, you know, there's like nothing people. wrong with this society. We're doing great. We're yeah, doing great. Yeah. 75% of San Diegans are <laughs> masturbating during work hours. It's great. Come come visit. It's awesome.
0: They should put that on the tourists.
1: They should totally put that on the tourists. Uh, Move to San
0: Diego. We have very, very lax rules here. It's all I it's all good, just
1: so don't know how San Antonio pushed their way to number two. Uh-huh. It, it's so interesting to me. So anyway, uh, you know, this is Love Honey, I think is a is in a sex toy brand. I have no idea because,
0: you know, I don't know uh-huh. about those things because I'm a moderate MILF. Though You're there is that um MILF. there is that sex store near my house that we stopped in.
1: <laughs> uh, after lunch, yeah, and I was, I was
0: mystified by, I was like, how does someone get that in their body? Like, it's impossible. I know,
1: impossible. It's, I know. Impossible. it's cute. So, it's cute visiting yeah. a sex store with you, yeah. moderate yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's like a 13-year-old. is <laughs> like, oh my goodness, what is who that? does that? Oh, oh my, oh, oh my. <laughs> um, Love Honey is a British business that sells sex toys, lingerie, and erotic gifts on the internet. Their tagline is the sexual happiness people.
0: Oh, that's that's sweet.
1: sweet. Okay. So I remember when I was um, blogging and, and writing on the interwebs, you know, and also when I was at Salon, you know, there were just a lot of these sex toy companies do regular research. And research is definitely in air quotes right there. Um, but they do these different studies, and, and it'll be about masturbation habits or orgasm habits or, um, you know, uh, how often you have sex or whatever. It, it's a way of self-promoting their brand because they know all these kind of content-hungry sites will pick it up and then turn it into a story, and they have to mention Love Honey. You know, like I'm sure this little news bit became, you know, got cannibalized yeah. into some sort of blog item in addition to being a a tweet that Louise Perry posted.
0: But did you also, I mean, I know this, um, obviously companies send out, they, they want you to try their soda or their camera
1: or their whatever.
0: Would they send They're sex toys? Me. Would they send oh, sex, sex toys? To try? When it, I or? worked
1: at Nerve, um, when I worked at Nerve, which is a late nineties, early aughts, uh, sex and culture site, I, w- I worked at a blog there, and i i don't know that i ever got sent directly items maybe i did but what i do remember is they had this whole room of swag yeah and it was like shirts and hats and but there was a big box that was like promotional items and it was like vibes and butt plugs and you know it was all this stuff that the place had been sent and then and they couldn't really keep up so they just sort of like you know so i remember uh taking a few of those not yeah. for my own usage well, it was i do no, i'm seriously because even before i knew i was going to study masturbation <laughs> i was pulled toward this research like a moth to flame.
0: It's purely academic. Purely mm-hmm. academic. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I do it for the numbers. I do it for the science.
0: Um, anything else weird we saw on Twitter today?
1: Yes, Before I woke which- up and Tina Turner had died. Oh, you know, I just saw that. I just yeah, you, you, well I saw it because you said uh, it to oh, me. I woke up. Oh, woke up
0: from your nap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I have to say this is so. You thought she
1: was dead already.
0: No, oh, Sarah Hepola. No, um, you know people. People die, especially older people. People their eighties and nineties, and you hear people go, "Oh my god, that's so sad." And I think, like, you know, someone's ninety years old. Like they're, you know, they're going to die at a certain point. Okay, but I have not ever been quite as bracingly stunned as an of an older people dying as I was just. Older person dying as I was just now when I saw she died. She's eighty. Died at eighty three. Died in Switzerland where she lived for many years. I don't know. It just seemed sort of. And I'm not any big giant Tina Turner fan. I mean, I like Tina Turner as much as anybody. Special older stuff, and then seeing her in the Mad Max stuff. But it just seemed like no, 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 no. She can't be gone. She's part of the terror. Well, horror.
1: she's got to be here. Some there's something about her that I mean, she's unsinkable. She's yeah. she's yeah. indomitable, right? You know, like I. I I was about 10 years old when Love, What's Love Got to Do With It, the song came out, you know, and she was, to me at the time, seemed, I mean, she was probably 40 years old and she's walking down the street in this tiny mini dress and these stilettos and, I mean, it's yep. just like the woman's ageless. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. And and then, you know, it just seemed like she just, she was just there like like the moon, The moon is, you don't, you don't check on it all the time, but then it, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, still there, still there. It was like Tina Turner and the moon. And then now the Tina Turner is gone. Yeah, it was, it just really kind of, I was like, no, that doesn't,
0: that doesn't make any sense. Does not make any sense.
1: Um, Also, she's 83, which means she's only one year older than my mama. That's fascinating.
0: Well, I think um, we were mentioning um, yesterday. We were discussing how Martin Amos had passed away at seventy-three, and it was the exact age, same age as his father, Kingsley A- Amos, had passed away. And there oh, yeah. is something to the idea that you look at how old your parents or grandparents were when they passed away, if they didn't pass away from some like you know strange accident um, when they were young, and you can kind of know what's where you are going when your when your due date is. So or your expiration so, date is
1: M- martin amos is somebody interesting because i know him mostly from like clips on the internet um i mean i know him about literary reputation but i don't believe that i've ever read a story of his um and what what you, what's your what's your hot take on martin amos
0: so I had never read Amos except for maybe some short articles and written and read about him, like we're talking 30 years ago. Um, a friend of mine gave me a book of his money, and I have to admit that it is one of the two books that I have ever read that I threw it across the room because it was it was I don't remember why it was frustrating me, but it was. And that was his fiction. So now I have to go back and reread his fiction because people I deeply love and admire, including Michael Moynihan absolutely adore his fiction. And I did just actually pick up a a book of his fiction about two months ago, which I am reading, and it's amazing. I can't remember what it is now. But I have read a lot of his nonfiction, and I highly recommend two books. One is Experience, which is a memoir and has a lot about his father and his life and his dear, dear, if not best friend, Christopher Hitchens, who died of exactly the same disease, esophageal cancer, that, um, that Amos did and um so that's one and then the second is a very short book called Kobe the dread laughter and the 20 million i believe about stalin and extermination and uh uh the soviet union and it's um it's really quite uh bracing as i as i think i was telling you yesterday it was like getting hit in the face with a frying pan He's he's an incredible nonfiction writer, and he was, of course, also a journalist. So I I can recommend those two, and I am remiss and have to get I have to get back to his fiction. So if we've got some listeners who are Amos fans, um, let us know which um, which fiction we should start with.
1: Yeah, um, Michael Moynihan, before or after he screwed up the settings on your. Um yeah, studio. Yeah. He he uh, said a, had a lot of great things to say about Amos on the most recent fifth column. I guess it's the members only episode. But you know, he said that money was one of the best books. You know that he'd read, and and you know that's probably a honey trap for people to read that book and then have to throw it across the room. I I, like I don't you know. Did.
0: I don't remember why. I was about thirty years old, and I just for some reason it was it was bugging me. So who knows why, but I'm, I will, uh, I'm just
1: you mean you literally writing. threw it re- like threw it wasn't, it-, it wasn't like, a. like people always say that no. like a m- metaphor they're like, but no. they only just mean they put it down. No, I threw it across the room.
0: And it's funny because I've had several people tell me that my book to the bridge, like they loved it so much. They gave it to their wife or their girlfriend and the girlfriend or wife hated it so much. She threw it across the room. So it's an actual <sighs> thing. Throwing books across the room is an actual thing.
1: Oh, okay. wow. Maybe, yep. maybe he gave you some sort of gift, like a baton, and then you carried it through to your book. And, um, it's like, maybe. Yeah. I I don't know. I just woke up.
0: I think it's strong. I think what it is, it's strong reactions. And at different times of our life, it could be almost, I'll give up a food analogy, but it's probably a poor equivalent. But let's say when you're a kid and you taste like foie gras and it's just like so strong, you can't take it. You spit it out. But then 10 or 15 years later, you taste it. It's like, this is just the most succulent, amazing thing. But it's complicated. It's complicated. And just at certain times in your life, you're not quite ready for it, so maybe I'm going to assume I just wasn't ready for money, and I will go back. Money,
1: money, money, money. money. Yeah, yeah. You need to get ready for money. Yeah, people, money. people talk a lot about, uh, yeah, throwing um, infinite jest across the room, but I don't. They don't. They mean it metaphorically because you get okay. you can't even pick it up. It's so big. That's right. That's right. It's it's, you're, you're, tr- it's t- twenty pounds. You don't need to buy a set so, of weights. Yeah. You can
0: just lift that book up and down. Up and down.
1: People, there was somebody that worked at a, she worked at a bookstore and she got so sick of like pretentious guys coming in and asking about uh, Infinite Jest that she staged a protest where she butt chugged Infinite Jest. What does that mean? And I still don't know what that means, what (laughs) butt chugging means. I have no idea what that means. Go ahead and look at it. I don't think
0: that's a real thing. I don't think that's, I've never heard of that. Butt chugging would imply that you were sucking things into your butt.
1: Right? Oh, an alcohol enema, also colloquially Ew. known as butt chugging or boofing, <laughs> is the act of introducing alcohol into the rectum and colon via the anus. Yeah. This method that. of alcohol consumption can be dangerous and even deadly. Well, yeah, especially if it's a book. I would like. I just don't listeners- even understand. I don't even understand how. What do you, do you boil the pages down to pulp? I I think you just
0: woke up from a nap and you've crossed two stories in
1: one. Maybe because it's I true. don't. Think it's fucking bug- true. All I know I is can- that
0: this is the premium content our listeners come for: masturbation mm-hmm. and butt chugging. So, um, yeah, we do have some other. We do have
1: something else to talk about. Something interesting. Vice. Uh, June fifteenth, two thousand seventeen, we talked to the woman who is butt chugging infinite jest.
0: All right. That's all I'm what, gonna say. Uh, well, you better put a link, you better give me a link when we when we because I need to know. And of yeah. course it was vice.
1: Of course it was vice. I know. I I P. know.
0: Vice. um. Um so Sarah Kepler, um you you linked me a piece the other day. And linked you you a piece. You linked linked me a piece, piece. my little piece linker, um, and used at the time, said you don't have time to read it because you've been on deadline, but I thought it looked sort of interesting, and so I did read it, and I think you may have read it at this point, and it is by Sarah Zhang, writing for The Atlantic, and it is called, Did Scientists Accidentally Invent an Anti-Addiction Drug? And it is about Ozempic. Which is something we've oh, talked about yes. previously on the show. We talked about it, gosh, about maybe five months ago or so, um, because there were so oh, many. Oh, long ago, like
1: two months ago. It was okay. it was right around the Oscars.
0: Okay. Oh yeah, because we were also there was like that joke like who here at the Oscars has not had Ozempic? Because for Ex- people that don't know, Ozempic is a drug that was developed to help diabetics, um, and. The one of the results was you did lose some weight. And so obviously people, a lot of people want to lose weight and it was helping a lot of people with diabetes lose weight, but also people that just wanted to lose like a little bit of weight. I mean, Ozempic has helped people lose like, you know, 75 and more pounds, people that really, really need to drop weight. But of course, people that want to lose six pounds to fit into their gown were also getting it wherever they right. were getting it. Their doctor would write them a prescription. Um right. I listened at that time when we did our episode, I listened to what to me was a very persuasive um, small audio piece on the New York Times where a doctor said, you know what? I got to say, she's like, I've never been a gigantic proponent of putting people on drugs. Yes, it can be extremely difficult for certain people to lose weight. You know, other people, you know, they diet for a week and they do some exercise and they drop four pounds and they're, they're good to go. Other people... For whatever their metabolisms are their the way their chemistries, they just can't do it, and it becomes so crushing and so debilitating to people's health all the ways you increase your um susceptibility to dis- different diseases and difficulty on your joints and breathing it's just it's just very difficult and she has seen pretty amazing results with the ozempic and i I thought, you know what. It sounds pretty good. So we had a pretty long discussion about it and you if you want to chime in here that you even yourself considered maybe trying it.
1: Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I just said like dude, I want to take the Ozempic. Like I didn't I didn't I didn't consider it that much. Okay. But it, it's very hard not to um not to get your mind to go there. I mean, you know, because look, you're you're watching all these celebrities and it's like, I want to lose some weight. Oh, this seems really easy. And then I said something about it. I was like half joking and half serious, which is how I like to do most things. Like, you know, just kind of put it out in the ether. and And then a bunch of people on the That were listening to the show were like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. And then a bunch of other people were like, yes, you should totally do that. So like anything, you get this data set of just perfect, you know, ambivalence. Um, But I, I, you know, it's not like something I looked into as much as it's definitely interesting. Gosh, when a zempit came around, like, uh so many of my friends were asking about it or, or or sending me stories about it or whatever. And I had like three different people send me this story. Um, because now you're talking about weight and addiction. I mean, you're just yeah. you're hovering yep. in my wheelhouse. And um so so this story. Did you want to say anything more before we went on to this story?
0: Uh I was just gonna talk about the story, but you can um you can start if you want
1: well all I was going to say was that it opens and it's about this woman who used to be a drinker but she's quit drinking and now she's going on these kind of like she's having these problems with compulsive eating and compulsive shopping and she goes to target and she means to buy four things and she ends up getting like 100 things and I was like okay atlantic why are you reading my diary like when did th- this friggin' story like this. It's very awkward to open a story and realize that the first personal anecdote is about you.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to talk about. And then she said, after she started taking the Ozempic, she wrote, or they wrote in the piece, her food thoughts quieted down, she lost weight, and she said, it was like, it was like a switch had tripped in my brain. Now, you know, obviously, there are some people that say, "Oh, you know, it's a placebo effect." But I think, I mean, I definitely know. I don't want to say everybody knows, but I, I think many of us know what it's like to have some sort of obsessive thing, whether it is uh, a food issue where you can't stop, like you've got a bit of an eating disorder and you can't stop thinking about that, or maybe it's drinking, or maybe it's biting your nails, or maybe it's. I had a friend who used to pull his hair out. I can't remember what that's called. It's a. It's like a compulsion.
1: Tryptophilia. Yeah,
0: and... um, Tryptophilomania,
1: tryptomania, trypto.
0: Well, he had it. Um, And you, you know, you tell yourself a hundred times a day, I'm not going to do this again, or I'm not going to think about this, or I'm not going to go in the, I'm not going to go in the kitchen and eat all the Oreos, or I'm not going to pull my hair out, but you, you, you're in... You've worn a a groove in your brain and you can't get out of this obsessive loop and it can lead to like really dangerous situations or just unhappiness. And in my own case, things that I remember from a very, very long time ago when I was a teenager when I had some food issues, it's really, it really, um, you really become locked. It becomes very lonely. You really become locked in this little world. Now, it doesn't mean you're not doing other things. You could be doing sports or having a boyfriend or you know doing school or whatever it is that you do, but you then have this private loneliness, and it's not fun. And the idea that Ozempic might be useful um, for helping people get out of that, their obsessiveness, I think that sounds amazing.
1: Now, well, this is a really fascinating. um, I don't know what they call it uh, secondary gain or or unintended consequence or whatever. You know, when you have this, you know, something that has been, like you said, this was developed for diabetes, then they realized that it would help with weight loss, and now they're realizing that it might have potential um, reward. You know, it, it might help with the reward circuitry of the brain. And this is fascinating. Um, I have so many thoughts about this. I mean, first of all,
0: Hello, you know, being got somebody
1: listeners.
0: Recovery, if you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our, oh, I don't know, biweekly episodes with Sarah Heppler. Sarah Heppler, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little uh interim moment for you. Um, We're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokempodcast.substack.com. Thanks.